Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. School shooting overseas. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray. On this Friday, December 22nd, thanks for joining us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Police in the Czech Republic say a gunman has killed at least 14 people and wounded 25 others at a university in Prague. The shooter is also dead. Secretary of State Antony Blinken will soon visit Mexico to discuss the crisis at the border where record numbers of migrants are crossing. Former Trump attorney and New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani has filed for bankruptcy. He now owes more than $150 million. And given the list of companies recently announcing layoffs, a refresher from an expert on preparing yourself for bad news. Absolutely. Prepare as if it's going to be you. Even if your leader says, oh, don't worry, Fred, you're good. We couldn't live without you. I have talked to so many people who were told that and then absolutely and then actually were on the list. And so you always want to prepare as if your name is going to be on that list. Career expert Julie Bauke on preparing for a potential layoff. Authorities in the Czech Republic are trying to figure out why a student opened fire at a university in Prague, killing at least 14 people and wounding 25. Prague Police Chief Martin Vondrasek says the nation's worst mass shooting took place in the Philosophy Department building of Charles University, where the shooter was a student. The gunman is also dead. Authorities warn that the death toll could rise. Reaction from White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. Federal authorities are in, in touch with Czech authorities as they investigate this incident, and we stand ready to provide additional support as needed. Police also believe the gunman killed his father earlier yesterday in his hometown of Hostun, just west of Prague, and they had also been planning to kill himself. The gunman is now also suspected in the killing of another man and his two-month-old daughter last week, also in Prague. Police described the shooter as an excellent student with no criminal record, but didn't provide any other information. President Biden and the president of Mexico say more border enforcement is needed as record numbers of people try to cross and they've disrupted trade. Top U.S. officials, including Secretary of State Antony Blinken, will travel to Mexico in coming days to meet with Mexico's president. Biden, who's seeking re-election next year, has been under sustained political pressure to stem the record arrivals at the U.S.-Mexico border. Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson on trying to make border changes. The problem we have is we're negotiating with an administration and Democrats in the Senate who want an open border that caused this crisis. You know, Biden came into office and the border was largely secured. Uh, we'd stop the flow of unaccompanied children, of family units exploiting our, our laws. We still had the single adults, but we always have had. As many as 10,000 migrants have been crossing the southern border each day lately. Record levels of apprehensions are straining federal and local resources. And cities led by Democrats, including New York and Chicago, are struggling to house the increasingly high numbers of migrants. The man once known as America's mayor has filed for bankruptcy. Rudy Giuliani, the former New York City mayor and ex-lawyer for Donald Trump, made his legal move yesterday after a court ordered him to pay nearly $150 million to two Georgia election workers for defaming them. We get more from this morning's Mike Gavin. 
Giuliani filed for Chapter 11 yesterday, reporting estimated assets of between $1 million and $10 million and estimated liabilities of at least $152 million. Around $148 million is owed to Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shea Moss, two election workers whom Giuliani falsely accused of meddling with the presidential election results in Georgia. Two days ago, a federal judge ordered Giuliani to immediately pay the money he owes to Moss and Freeman, saying he might hide his financial assets if he were allowed to wait. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. Also listed as unsecured creditors to his bankruptcy estate, Hunter Biden, President Biden's son, and two voting equipment companies. The amounts are that are owed are unknown. Hunter Biden sued Giuliani in September, alleging he hacked, copied, and disseminated data from his personal devices. Coming up next, Trump's legal woes arriving at the Supreme Court. Hey everyone, it's Gordon Deal here to talk about some of the most fun you can have if you love sports, and that's with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. You pick more than or less than on a handful of player projections and watch the winnings roll in. For example, mix and match football and basketball. Maybe your entry is Christian McCaffrey for more than 99 yards rushing and Jason Tatum for fewer than eight rebounds. If you know your stuff, you can turn 10 bucks into $250 with just a few taps. My friends and I love it. To get started and have your first deposit matched up to $100, go to prizepicks.com slash deal and use code deal. Also, if a player you pick gets injured and leaves the game, PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Your player is rebooted. prizepicks.com slash deal and use the code deal. That's prizepicks.com slash deal and the code deal. Again, prizepicks.com slash deal and code deal. We don't take sides. We deliver the information you need to start your day. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Hey, glad you're with us. Welcome into Friday. Former President Trump hailed by judicial conservatives for naming three justices to the Supreme Court during his single term could see at least a couple of disputes related to his legal woes come knocking at the high court's doors as the 2024 election year approaches. More from Kaylin Deese, Supreme Court reporter at the Washington Examiner. Kaylin, take us through it. This uh, deserves a lot of dissection because we know that essentially the Supreme Court has uh, three uh, things that, that, that could come up to them in uh, the next few weeks that involve and surround uh, Donald Trump. Now, uh, the first thing that I'd like to just get out of the way is what we know definitively that is going to the Supreme Court and, and what is going to arguments and uh, what, what, what we're going to actually see them uh, decide by the end of June. And that is a challenge to uh, an obstruction statute known as Section 1512 C2. Now, this involves a January 6th uh, defendant, uh, a former police officer who was there during the riot, who was essentially charged under this uh, statute. And this is the very same statute that uh, former President Donald Trump is facing in his four-count indictment from Jack Smith. So there's a lot of uh, speculation, a lot of you know uh, thinking around, well, uh, if the Supreme Court finds that perhaps this uh, uh, statute was improperly uh, applied uh, to this uh, defendant who's challenging the way that it was uh, uh, applied in his case, then uh, perhaps former President Donald Trump could also have a way of uh, challenging this statute as well. And this is this is a statute that carries up to 20 years in prison for uh, for violators of it. So it's so it's a really big deal that the justices are considering this. Now, some people are saying, well, like, you know, could this delay Trump's trial? And that's kind of like a bigger question that remains to be seen. Although, you know, we could maybe perhaps see Trump try to make that argument at some point. He has not done that. But, uh, you know, keep an eye on that uh, for the future. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, but you know, getting getting to the other two matters, you know, there's there's there, there's a lot more uh, uh, coming that's imminent uh, for the Supreme Court. You know, we just saw on December 11th, Jack Smith made his uh, petition to the Supreme Court, wanting them to directly weigh former President Donald Trump's uh, immunity claims that that that, uh, that essentially Jack Smith can't bring this uh, this uh, uh, indictment against him. And uh, you know, uh, so far the district court has weighed against. Uh, Trump on that immunity claim. And so what happened was Trump appealed to the D.C. appeals court. You know, this is this is the second in line, you know, so to speak, where where he is meant to go whenever you're appealing a dispute. But Jack Smith said, wait, not so fast. I don't want you to go and waste more time in his in his mind, uh, you know, uh, at, at, at the D.C. appeals court. I want the Supreme Court to go directly and, uh, and, and answer this once and for all. So I'm going to cite this this uh, this Nixon precedent. And uh, I'm going to tell the Supreme Court that uh, we don't need to hear from the D.C. appeals court. And Donald Trump's team is saying, well, wait, wait, not so fast. We, we, we actually want the D.C. appeals court to weigh in on this yeah. matter, you know. We're speaking with Kaylin Deese, Supreme Court reporter at The Washington Examiner. His piece is called Trump Legal Woes Come Barreling Towards Supreme Court on Three Key Fronts Ahead of 2024. How about the, uh, the ban from Colorado on the primary ballot? Yeah, so this is the next thing that I think, you know, what is at the top of everyone's minds, besides the other two things that I just mentioned. This is what just happened. The uh, entirely Democratic appointed Colorado Supreme Court uh, ruled four to three. Uh, you know, keep in mind, a majority of the uh, people that were in the that were in that majority, they all went to Ivy League schools. Uh, the people who were in the dissent all went to state law schools. So there's kind of some friction there that I think, uh, you know, people would like to know about. Uh, actually, uh, there's, uh, you know, a little bit uh you know, more interest in that wow, uh, yeah. aspect of their identities and things like that. But getting back to the to the core point of this, Donald Trump now has until January 4th, essentially, to uh, appeal this to the Supreme Court. And uh, uh, essentially, uh, that Colorado ruling is stayed. It's not in effect, but it's coming up on some pretty close deadlines for the uh, Colorado uh, officials that want to certify the primary election ballots. So that's really important that the Supreme Court weighs in on this matter as soon as possible because uh, they need to they need to certify those ballots. Thanks, Kaylin. Kaylin Deese, Supreme Court reporter at the Washington Examiner. Twenty minutes after the hour on this morning. Here's Nicole Murray. And now the three big things you need to know. Number one: A student has opened fire at a university in Prague, killing at least 14 people and injuring more than 20 in Czech Republic's worst mass shooting. Officials say the bloodshed took place in the philosophy department building of Charles University after the student allegedly killed his father earlier in the day. Press Secretary Karine Jean Pierre in response to the mass shooting: The president and the first lady are praying for the families who lost loved ones, and everyone else who has been affected by this senseless act of violence. The gunman has died, but the motive behind the shooting is still unknown. His name has not been released to the public. Number two. President Joe Biden and Mexico's President Lopez, Lopez Obrador have met to discuss the spike in migrant crossings at the southern border. Both leaders have agreed that additional enforcement actions are needed to reopen key ports of entry. National Security Council official John Kirby says further investigations on this issue will also be conducted. One of the things that uh, President Lopez Obrador and the president talked about today was trying to work on getting at the root causes of migration. We're seeing record levels of people. More people are on the move in this hemisphere than that has been the case since World War II. 
number three. Fast and Furious franchise star Vin Diesel has been accused of sexual battery in a lawsuit filed by his former assistant, Asta Johansson. The civil suit stems from a 2010 incident in which Diesel forced Jonathan in an Atlanta hotel suite despite her lack of consent and pinned her against the wall with his body. Vin Diesel denies the claim. Jonathan is suing Diesel along with his company, One Race Productions, for sexual battery, creating a hostile work environment, wrongful, wrongful termination, and more. Your holiday travels might go a little smoother this year. Travel for Christmas and New Year's tend to be a bit more spread out, so experts are predicting less hectic peak travel times than Thanksgiving. Spokesperson for Los Angeles World Airport's Glenda Silva on holiday travel predictions. We're expecting that the busiest day of the travel season is going to be Friday and also January 3rd at 2nd and the 3rd. Airlines have only canceled 2.1% of U.S. flights this year, down nearly half from last year's holiday season. Very good. All right. Thank you, Nicole. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's Dell.com slash welcome to now. Thanks for spending part of your Friday with us. Expanded access to parental leave is among the biggest changes to workplaces in recent years, and fathers have been prime beneficiaries, yet plenty of dads still see it as a career risk. They worry their commitment to their jobs will be questioned or they'll face ridicule. Ben Eisen at the Wall Street Journal says a lot of new fathers are leaving money on the table. Ben, explain. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see that um, a lot of workplaces are sort of uh, enhancing their, their paternity leave policies over the last couple of years in particular. So you have a lot of workplaces now that offer gender-neutral uh, parental leave, meaning the same benefits for men or women, for both parents. Um, and, you know, uh, about two-thirds of Fortune 500 companies now offer uh, um uh, some some sort of paternity leave, and yet you see a bit of a lag in terms of men actually taking that leave, um, and there's sort of a, a bit of lingering stigma attached to uh, uh, taking that leave. You know, there there are people who feel like they will fall behind on their career, uh, people who feel like they'll be ridiculed, people who um, just sort of think that they're standing at work in some way will be diminished by having set aside their work, taken the time off, and kind of come back with these sort of new responsibilities. Is there anything to that, Ben? Will they fall behind on the on the career path? You know, there's. it, it depends on a, a, a person-by-person situation. I think a lot of the men that I spoke with uh, for this said, you know, I took the leave and none of my worst fears were realized. Uh, uh, the workplace has come along a lot, a, a long way, and um, there is just a much, a, a much, much more acceptance of it these days. Um, that said, I mean, when you think about uh, paternity leave, maternity leave, this is something mothers have always sort of dealt with, and I think over the span of history, um, a lot of mothers would say, yes, I, I, I fell behind in my career because I took time to spend with my child. Um, one person I cited. Uh, in this was was the story of Jane Fraser, who's the CEO of Citigroup. Uh, she's the the first female CEO of a major U.S. bank. Um, she worked part time for five years after she um, uh, after she had her kids, and and she did say, yeah, I, I saw people 
who were more junior than me get ahead. And I, you know, it was a kind of a hit to my ego. And when I came back, I, um, uh, I, I had some catching up to do. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not as if there, our, our, our society has completely evolved, uh, to, to eradicate these problems, but, you know, you are seeing, uh, workplaces, a lot of, uh, corporate workplaces in particular make kind of an effort to, um, to improve the situation. Mm. We're speaking with Ben Eisen, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. His piece is called Giving Up Paternity Leave Costs You Money. Uh, how can bosses help here? That was a point in your piece. Yeah, I, you know, one of the things that I talked with some companies about was what happened when they um, int- rolled out these policies. How do you make sure people actually take the benefits? And so um, it, it, it doesn't exactly stop with the company with just handing out the benefit. You have to sort of educate people about it. You have to educate managers in particular to make sure that they, uh, uh, you know, understand the benefit, encourage people to use it, um, and and sort of have, have an open mindset to it. Thanks, Ben. Ben Eisen, economics reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle-Made bed sheets. Miracle-Made uses silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle-Made is self-cleaning, self-cooling, luxurious, eco-friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. The news. First, fast and free of noise you're listening to america's first news this morning with gordon deal thanks for spending time with us welcome into friday december 22 gordon deal with nicole murray some of our top stories and headlines a shooting at a university in the czech republic leaves at least 14 dead amid the worsening border crisis secretary of state antony blinken and others are heading to mexico a 30 year old new hampshire man has been charged with threatening to kill vivek ramaswamy and chris christie the new york times says israel routinely bombed areas identified as safe for gaza civilians Rams over the Saints in Thursday night football and the sheriff's deputies who shoehorned a massive Christmas tree into their lobby. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Dell. Now your ideas don't have to wait. Dell Technologies and Intel are pushing what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. Several high-profile companies have announced massive layoffs recently, including Cruise, the self-driving car company owned by General Motors. It's a 24% staff reduction, or about 900 staffers and executives. Others conducting layoffs, Etsy, Hasbro, Spotify. How to prep for this from Julie Bauke, known as Julie on the Job. Julie, what do you recommend? First of all, act as if you are going to be on that list. Absolutely prepare as if. It's going to be you, even if your leader says, oh, don't worry, Fred, you're good. We couldn't live without you. 
I have talked to so many people who were told that and then absolutely and then actually were on the list. And so you always want to prepare as if your name is going to be on that list. And if you then aren't and you and and you're relieved about that because you like where you are, that's great. But at least you were prepared. I think the worst thing we can do is hide under our desks and hope that the layoff ferry passes us by because that is that is unfortunately what most of us do. Yeah. And so Say to yourself, is this so? Two things. Do I want to stay here? Is this a part? Is this a good place for me? And if I get laid off, what would that look like for me? What would it allow me to do? The other question, too, is, and I think we often overlook this, is what is my life going to be like if my colleagues get laid off and I'm still here? Who do you think is going to do that extra work? And so you want to think about. If you're in a department and a few of the people get laid off, you want to talk to your boss and say, or, and say, well, what about you know, Fred and Mary's work? Who's going to do that? Well, I guess we're all going to have to do more work. Is that what you want? So pre-layoff, is this where I want to be? I need to be ready to go because if the letter, if the word comes down to you on Monday, you want to be at least have the resume done. You want to have your LinkedIn profile up to date. You want to start thinking about if it is me, what does that next move look like? What do I want it to look like? So it's okay to go there. It's okay to start thinking about it. In fact, it's smart. Then, if you're not on the layoff list, I still encourage you to think about, is this still an organization I want to be a part of? Mm. And it is not disloyal to say no. And 20% of people cut, like some of these companies are doing. What's that mean for you moving forward? It's not necessarily a win in that case to not be laid off. I talk to people sometimes who are like, God, I wish they'd lay me off. I'd love to have a three to six month package or some time to figure out what's next. What happens is the most valuable people, the muscle, the bone rarely gets cut. It's generally the people who the organization decided they can live without. Mm, So if you are one of those people, you have leverage, you are valued. Do you want to use it where you are, or do you want to find your next job, your next opportunity elsewhere? We're speaking with Julie Bauke, the career expert we know as Julie on the job, and we're talking about preparing now for the possibility of being laid off. Um, so what if you're one of those folks who just doesn't get that, like, three- to six-month compensation package? I mean, maybe it's only a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, money's tight. Do you take any job yep. that comes along then? You know, I, I get the reality. You know, sometimes I, I, I understand that I, talk in ter- that I talk in terms of ideal, and I get that. So I always, um, yes, I mean, we have to deal with the reality. If you are laid off with two weeks or with nothing, sometimes you do have to take the first thing that comes along or cobble together a bunch of side hustles in order to keep the lights on. And But don't lose sight of the fact that you can take a job or a series of jobs that simply become your bridge to something better. So if you get laid off from a full-time job, and you have to do um, DoorDash and Uber, and you're helping doing some consulting and some dog walking and all of that to keep the lights on, you have to, I, I get that you have to keep, you know, one foot in front of the other, but also I would really suggest that you still say, okay, this is temporary, and this is a bridge to something better. Now, what is that something better? Never lose sight of that this is an opportunity. It's not a failure. It's an opportunity to get to something that was better than what you had. And if you have to do some things that, that keep the lights on, you don't have to put those things on your resume, frankly. 
your, your resume is a marketing document. You don't have to share to the world that you're doing all these things. And it doesn't mean that you now go to the market as a DoorDash driver. And again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it really is just a temporary situation until you can wrap your head around and get clear on what your next best move is and put together a plan to get it. So your career is a journey with chapters in it. Thanks, Julie. Julie Bauke, career expert known as Julie on the job. Coming up next, could you handle this man's fantasy football punishment? Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday. It is time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, we're coming down to the wire for fantasy football leagues with championships being decided within the next few weeks. It's also time for those who came in last in their leagues to dread their upcoming punishment. One unique fantasy football punishment has been getting some attention this week for keeping its league members up at night. A woman posted a video about this on social media saying that her boyfriend was worried sick about losing his league because the last place finisher was required required to eat their age in eggs in a 24-hour period. Mm. So if you're 30, you're on the hook for 30 eggs in one day. And the older you are, the more harsh the punishment. This apparently was such a concern to the woman's 34-year-old boyfriend that he couldn't engage in a normal conversation the night that Browns running back Nick Chubb got hurt and was lost for the season. The clip's been watched over 5 million times, and even though her boyfriend was breaking out in a cold sweat about the eggs, most of the male commenters seemed to indicate this was light work and his Punishments go not worth getting worked up over. Yeah, I could. I could. Mm, I could. <laughs> <laughs> See now, now you're a little older than 34, I was just Gordon. Say, if I was 34, I could handle it. Yeah, uh, bo- 56. Yeah. <laughs> Both of us sure. have seen 34 come and go. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure. At this, I love eggs, and yes. it could certainly do a lot of eggs in a sitting. Right. But remember, it's not really a 24-hour period. You're not up for 24 hours, mm. right? You know, 12, yeah, you have to be. 12 to 16. I mean, you might have to be for yeah. this, right? But you know, trying to cram that in in 12 to 16 hours yeah. could be even even worse. Man, eggs I, are very filling. That's the it's thing. A ton of protein, right? right like yeah, you, you, you put four eggs in your belly, and yeah. you're not going to be hungry again for hours yeah. after that. I think I'd go. I'd have to mix it up though. I'd have to go scrambled, then back to either sunny side up or fried. Yeah, yeah. Got, I don't. Know. I mean, you're not going to be able to put it on a sandwich, hard like, like, in like there, you want to do, right? Yeah. You know, you nope. have to be light on the condiments, right. light on the cheese, That's that kind of one. thing. Yeah, you my, have to be very careful. In my son's fantasy football league, mm-hmm. the loser, I might have said this, has to get into a dog crate. Uh, yes. And the other participants in the league get to throw things at him like yeah. you know, condiments and, and all that other stuff like flour you know so they'll try to cake him in honey first and then yeah. throw flour all over him oh, it's, I, I'll it's, try the eggs if I can yeah. give me give it a choice I'll, I'll give the eggs a shot Agreed. and you know the old saying one person's trash is another person's Christmas dinner this after a Danish dumpster diver has redefined junk food announcing plans to make her family Christmas dinner using scraps scrounged from the trash the New York Post says Sophie Jewel Anderson saw a lot of supermarkets tossing a lot of festive foods and got the idea for turning it into Christmas dinner. Now, she's no stranger to dumpster diving, first going garbage shopping three years ago, and says that it allows her to spend just $90 a month on groceries. Sophie frequently shares clips of her gathering everything from packaged snacks to meat and cheese to her nearly 30,000 followers on TikTok. For Christmas dinner, Sophie set out to gather enough discarded winter salad and pickled red cabbage to feed 20 people, which required her to scour multiple trash cans for cheese, nuts, fruits and pre-mixed salads hmm. and hundreds of pre-mixed dressings like a secondhand salad bar. Wow. Well, she's an <laughs> ace at this. Uh, yeah, I guess wow. so. You know, inflation's hitting everyone, Gordon, even oh. even, uh, in, even the Danish people. <laughs> even the Danes. Thank you, Mike. Coming up next, how to properly discuss politics at the holidays. 
Now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at dell.com slash welcome to now. That's dell.com slash welcome to now. Your brain's morning workout. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. The holidays can be especially daunting if you and your family don't agree about politics or debates dividing the country. The USA Today spoke with experts about managing things. Eileen Kennedy Moore, a clinical psychologist, recommends that anybody debating whether to tiptoe into political territory should first consider what outcomes they're trying to achieve. If the convo is likely to devolve into an I'm right, you're wrong screaming match, it's best to avoid the topic. Risha Grant, a DEI consultant, says keep in mind that not everyone in the room may want to take part in political dialogue. Also, tread gently and with focus on our common humanity rather than blasting someone as you're wrong and you're evil. Another good practice, skip the insults and the scar- uh, sarcasm and watch your body language. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani has filed for bankruptcy. This news comes after a judge ordered Giuliani to pay more than $148 million in a defamation lawsuit that the former mayor vows to appeal. The case stems from two Georgia election workers who testified they received extreme threats after Giuliani accused them of fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Law enforcement says this maneuver is not surprising and it will not discharge Giuliani's debt to the victims. Number two. President Joe Biden and Mexico's president, President Lopez Obrador have met to discuss the spike in migrant crossings at the southern border. National Security Council official John Kirby on the Keyport's closure. The two leaders agreed that additional enforcement actions are urgently needed so that key ports of entry can be reopened across our shared border. Both leaders have also agreed that an investigation is required to find the root of the problem causing a surge in migrations. Tensions have been high at the Texas-Mexico border after Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill making illegal immigration a state crime. Number three. A jury has cleared three Washington state police officers of all criminal charges related to the 2020 death of Manuel Ellis a black man who was beaten and restrained face down on a Tacoma sidewalk as he pleaded for air. Officers Matthew Collins and Christopher Burbank were found not guilty of murder and manslaughter charges. Officers Timothy Rangine was found not guilty of manslaughter. There have been calls for protests since the not guilty verdict. Tacoma Mayor Woodard's addressing Manny Ellis's family after the reveal of the jury's decision. The police department will continue its work to repair and transform their ongoing efforts to be more open, authentically connect with community, and support the safety of everyone in Tacoma. The North American Aerospace Defense Command, also referred to as NORAD, has its most important job of all this December 24th, tracking Santa Claus this Christmas Eve. Parents, kids, and all can start tracking the Jolly Giant starting 4 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Christmas Eve. At 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, operators are on call for children to offer the latest updates on Santa's whereabouts. Info is at noradsanta.org. Great job by NORAD. Thank you, Nicole. 
Thanks for being with us. After one Colorado sheriff had to be convinced to spread holiday cheer, the rest of his office conducted quite the operation to get a massive Christmas tree into their new department lobby. Larimer County Sheriff John Fayen wrote on Facebook that their beautiful new employee entrance is big, open, and shockingly empty. The idea of securing a giant tree was floated several weeks ago. Fox News said he said he was initially against the idea because he believes trees belong in the forest. But that nearly all of the 550 employees in the department supported the idea, so he caved. In his post, he wrote that the tree was slated to come down anyway due to wildfire mitigation, so he figured it would bring joy to the agency. Video from the social media post shows wildland firefighters, some of them in Santa hats, wrestling the two-story tall pine into position. The men can be seen holding on, backtracking, and creatively angling before finally getting it in. The sheriff says seeing the smiles after the tree was up was amazing. That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.